We're making chicken patties to make up for the time Adam didn't get one. Yeah, I want... I want my chicken patty. Oh, do you do you want one or two? I will eat as many chicken patties as you prepare. Christine, Christine one or two. I'm good. I don't need one. Thank you. You don't need a chicken I patty? I, I need Christine, to, Christine I need had some Cap'n Crunch peanut butter. I did. Yeah. I had a few chips. Me too. That's the whole story. Yep. Adam's finally We're getting his chicken patty. to it. He's getting redemption. <clears throat> a redemptive patty of chicken. Chicken patty. All right. <laughs> well, now that that's out of the way... Welcome to Rough Around the Hedges podcast. I'm Kaylin. I'm Adam. And I'm Christine. Today we are going to be talking about LECA, also known as Lightweight Expanded Clay Aggregate. Heck yeah. yeah. It's a growing substrate. Yes. It's awesome. It's an inorgan- It's a fully inorganic mm-hmm. substrate that is primarily used with in hydroponic systems. Yes. Um, and it is also super useful for houseplant hobbyists. Growers, collectors. If you see those little balls, the little brown balls that look like cocoa pebbles, cocoa that puffs. people are cocoa puffs. Fine, cocoa puffs. <laughs> All the cocos. Yes, cocoa puffs. Uh-huh. Um, that's what we're talking about. Those little balls. Yes. Or the turd-looking ones, because those exist too. Oh, I yeah. don't like those because they the remind little... me of those the Nestle Crunch. <laughs> Not the crunch, but the the yep. yep. We, my family called them rabbit turns. We called them boogers. Yeah. No. And then we actually got rabbits, and I was like, I can't eat these anymore. <laughs> yeah. That was me with Cocoa Pebbles. Or Cocoa Puffs. Oh, yeah. I don't have any problem with Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, that's maybe not true. I might have a problem with Cocoa Puffs. You know, I didn't but, eat the purple This tricks. is a different... This is okay. a... We're already... Already. They do, wow, we they derailed do, so fast. They definitely have an interesting... Like, for people that are just getting into plants, or maybe have never seen a plant in LECA before, they're like... Like I'll get people like what and can I just ask oh, yeah. what what, what is, is this, this? <laughs> these brown balls, um, and I'm like oh yeah that's lightweight expanded clay aggregate, and, and they're, they're like, like what, what? <laughs> Lecca, uh, but no I don't even I feel like it kind of came around it at least I started hearing about it in 2018 or something around there, uh, but I know it's been around we know it's been around for a long time because oh, yeah. since looked 1917 it up. <laughs> yeah we looked it up yeah it was like a, a byproduct of some industrial process but. And it has a ton of uses outside of just horticulture, like right. outside of growing plants there. It does have uses in construction yeah. and everything else. But um, but being fully inorganic and also able to, it's porous, so it wicks water pretty effectively. Um, it makes it really useful as a tool, as a substrate for, for growing houseplants. Mm-hmm. Wait, why is nobody talking? <laughs> Um, okay. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. And so also based on like the porosity, based on the shape, like being a sphere, like it helps, um, that helps with the process of wicking and with like oxygenation and keeping a constant flow of oxygen around the roots. Yeah. I was going to say it's super air- airy. Yes. Um, so it's really great for plants that naturally want more air around their roots. Sure. Lots of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your aeroids is the first things you think of when you think of what could I potentially grow in like a... I'm growing a Echeveria succulent in Laca right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I think you can, like, you can grow, there are, you can find a way to grow almost any plant in, um, a, like a hydroponic or passive hydroponics setup. Um, and that was one of the things we also wanted to just cover right at the very beginning of this episode yes. is the difference between um passive hydroponics also sometimes called semi-hydro mm-hmm. and like hydroponics 
as a system with pumps like ebb and flow systems or flood and drain systems that are using pumps and tanks of water right. to like constantly be pre- like um, keeping the, the nutrient solution flowing and air flowing. Whereas uh, passive hydroponics, does anybody, do either of you want to just like explain a typical passive hydroponic setup? Sure. So you have your plant um, in your nursery pot or your net, net pot. pot. If you want to go the fancy route, you get net pots that are, they look like a, a normal nursery pot, but is covered in holes. Um, so it's super, so it's a stronger plastic than your typical nursery pot, but it's full of holes that then the water in the can get all around to the LECA. Or you can be like me and basically just use regular old nursery pots because they have holes in the bottom. As long as the water is able to get up into the plant, it's okay. Um, so you have your plant in the LECA balls in that, and then you have a catch po or a net pot, sorry, not a net pot, water reservoir, which is just an outer holder of some sort. It can be a fancy pot. It can be a yogurt container. It can be a saucer. It can be a Dixie cup. Like it can be anything as long as the water is able to sit in that and not, you know, it can't have a drainage hole, obviously, or else the water's going to go on the ground. And it also can't be porous. Like it can't be just No terracotta. Right. A terracotta pot won't work for the uh, nutrient reservoir. Even some of those pots that you get that are glazed on the outside but not on the inside, I've learned the hard way that they just wake up. They absorb too much of the water on their own. Um, so the, your water is going to sit in that reservoir, and then your net pot with the plant inside is going to sit in that. So it's two pots in one um, doing the whole thing. Yeah. And it's passive because it's literally just sitting there. Versus, you don't have any pumps moving yes, anything around. versus, you know, a f- traditional hydroponic setup would have pumps and drains and all of that. Yeah. And, um, and I think I remember hearing a story that some of the first – uses in horticulture were done by orchid growers Mm -hmm. like an orchid culturist that um like used in orchid culture someone that was had a large collection of orchids and wanted to be able to leave on occasion like leave their collection for maybe a week at a time without having to worry about things drying out too Mm -hmm. far and so in with a wicking system where you can you can have access to a large reservoir of water and nutrients that is constantly going to be supplying the roots with its consistent supply of moisture mm-hmm. uh, that can be really helpful for people that want to grow houseplants but also want to be able to have freedom to leave for maybe more than a more than a five day trip or right. something like that um, yeah. So why do you guys, in what cases do you guys choose to use LECA? I tried LECA out when I first learned about it. I was like, oh, that seems exciting. I want to try it. And in my head, I had the idea that if I got all my plants into LECA, I could just keep reusing the LECA Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have to keep buying soil. So I was like, I'll save money. And then, you know, I I think I started off the first plant I put in LECA was a a rehab. It was my Raphidophytesperma and my Croton, which were not doing well. Um, so I was like, this is a low, low cost, uh, experiment. We'll see if it works or not. But, um, I did it just to try it out for science. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. I did a really good job of flushing my LECA plants for the first year and a half of having them. Um, and then I did try to like convert a lot of my collection to LECA. And then I started noticing that some stuff would do better and some stuff didn't really seem like it wanted to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, so now fast forward to where I am now, I mostly do alocasia in LECA, 
Um, you can use it to root stuff. I tend to not because I just got sick of cleaning it. Got sick of cleaning the Leco, so now I just kind of use it for allocations and six-inch pots and smaller. Anything bigger than that, and I'm not. I'm not using it anymore. It just got to be too too heavy, too big. Yeah. Too much Leca to clean. I kind of started the same way where I think I I think I got a plant in Leca, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And then Keelan was like, "Oh, that's Leca. This is how you do it." And so I started YouTubing everything and figuring it out. And I was really drawn to um, the cleanliness side of it because, like, if you drop a plant that's in soil, it's a huge mess inside the house, right? But if you drop some Leca balls, it's not that hard. And unless times, you drop a whole bunch of Leca balls, yeah, that's that, a pain that in sucks. The ass. But nine times out of ten, if I drop a Leca ball, then my cat finds it for me. Because they come running when they hear a Leca ball hit the ground. Um, so that was definitely a draw. The fact that, you know, it's passive hydro. It can just, you basically put the water in it and you forget about them. Set it and forget yeah, it. Yeah, that was also definitely a big bonus for me. Because I was, at that point, I had started to get a little overwhelmed with the number of plants that I had. So my Leca stuff, it sits for two weeks without me having to refill the water reservoirs. And they're good. Um, Takes the guesswork out of when you need to water your soil plants, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that, then, yeah. yeah. So, in, in, like I was say, saying, that like it naturally just adds way more aeration to your plants. So, your things like I, the very first plant I put in, like a, was a philodendron mini hope, uh, the smaller hope variety. And it loved it, went crazy for it. So, mm. from there, I was like, oh, obviously, all philodendrons want to go in it. And then someone said, put all your Hoyas. Well, it was Eve, like I actually put all of your Hoyas in, like, and so I started doing that. And they all love it. And mm-hmm. Alocasia's. Nine times out of ten, love it. Um, so that's kind of where it goes from there. Sure. But yeah. since then, all my philodendrons are no longer in Leca because we've, you know, kind of that philodendron hypothesis that they love to start in Leca, do not want to stay in there long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely been my experience has confirmed a, a lot of times that like the certain philodendron varieties, if you especially if you're trying to get if you're working with a plant that is like heteroblastic, which means it changes physical form as Mm -hmm. it climbs a lot of those plants don't really size up or mature uh as well in in a hydroponic a passive hydroponic setup um but i did i think what drew me to it was what kaylin just mentioned which was taking the guesswork out of when to water because that can be really tricky, especially in the beginning when you're just getting a plant to root, which I think kind of fits with why, like you said, Christine, there it's useful for propagating philodendrons because philodendrons, when you first plant them in soil, sometimes it's really difficult to know when to water it, soak it for that first time. And if you mess that up when the plant is in like a fragile, mm-hmm. precarious state, you can kill it. you can kill it or rot it. So pretty more easily, but, but when it's more mature, it's more obvious when it's dry. Typically there are easier signs to see when you're growing a plant in potting mix that it needs water. So propagating in Leca was a big thing for me and just being like, I don't have to worry that I'm going to water this and kill it. I can just flush it every day. If I'm really excited about a propagation, that's what I started doing. Like (laughs) I would be pulling things out and just flushing them all the time and they would start growing really fast, like propagating growing roots and growing leaves much more rapidly than the cuttings that I was propagating solely in like, um, like more organic substrates. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, that was the biggest draw for me, Mm -hmm. I think. And then that setup is like you said, 
the reservoir. So in some sort of like container that holds water mm-hmm. on the outside. And then usually a pot that has drainage holes or some way. Because the, the main thing is that the LECA has to be able to be in contact with the nutrient solution at all times so that it can wick water up around the roots. Mm-hmm. Exception to that rule, if you're using a wick in your setup, you don't, the LECA will not necessarily be touching the water at all times. So like wicking cloth um, or cord? I just use wicking cord. Like nylon cording. Yeah. Um, but in that case, I have my cord. It goes, it starts at the reservoir, goes up into the empty space, and then hits the net pot, goes into the net pot, into my LECA, which when I'm setting it up, I put the cord in. And then the other side goes back down throughout all the layers into the water. And when I fill it up initially in my reservoir, I can fill it up to like the bottom third of the net pot, which is typical for LECA. But then you have all that blank space in between the bottom of the net pot mm-hmm. and the bottom of your cash bow. Yeah. And so you can have a bigger reservoir that way because then the wick that sits in the nutrient solution will then wick up once the water level lowers, it'll still wick up solution into the middle of your pot watering your plant that way so it keeps it like safer it like keeps the plant safe for a longer period of time like it's not going to dry you can maximize how long you can leave the plant in between filling up your reservoir Mm. right i've i've tend i've after i um heard about eve like an addict talking about her nutrient stagnant wicking setups i was like okay maybe i'm gonna try these so i've most of the leka i set up now if it's not for an allocation it's for a hoy i try to do it in that setup okay um she says it works better long-term for Hoyas because the roots aren't sitting in that water all the time. Um, and I like it because then I can just, you know, not have to water them all the time mm-hmm. once they start filling up the pot with roots. Mm. I haven't done the wicking. Be- I've, I've read, I had a, sorry, I saw a lot of people were saying that Hoyas specifically tend to dry rot with that setup. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone has different experiences, right? So they were saying that the, the, the cord doesn't wick enough moisture up to the roots and then Hoyas tend we're dry rotting on them. So I just haven't tried it based mm-hmm. off of what I saw from those few posts. Yeah, Eve has nothing but good things to say yeah, about and it. So like, it, her experience is completely different. Yeah, maybe yeah. someday I'll try it. Yeah, I think that the, one of the biggest pros is, yes, the fact that you can use it to kind of set it down somewhere and not have to worry about that. One of the biggest pros is not being confused about when to water. I liked being able to just flush frequently for plants that I'm like propagating because when you water a plant, typically if you if your plant has drainage holes, you can it facilitates gas exchange around the roots as well. So every time you water it, it like the water drains out the bottom and it pulls fresh oxygen in through the surface of the soil down into the root zone. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you flush pots in LECA. But unlike with um, like organic substrates, you can do that as much as you want. And so that, and that's why like hydroponic systems with pumps are so effective because they're constantly drawing fresh nutrient solution through the root zone of the plant and pulling oxygen and facilitating gas exchange, which keeps roots healthy and stops them from kind of like stagnating or rotting. Right. So now how do we, how do we set up our plants in LECA if we don't, if we want to try it? Like you just went out and bought a bag of LECA and what do we do now? Yeah. Okay. What do you guys do? Yeah, just throw it in. (laughs) No. Wow. (laughs) Just dump the whole, like, pot of... Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. I so think, sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say when. So when you go out and you buy, say you go to a hydroponic store and you buy a giant bag of uh, what's it called, hydroton, like a. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff's gonna be really, really dusty and uh, not not dirty, but it has residual material on it. Uh, so you, d- it does take some time to set up and get ready to go. You can't just like scoop it out, throw it in a pot, throw a plant in it. I mean, you can, but your plant is not going to do well. It's going to suffocate the plant. Um, so what I do, they, I have heard, obviously, you want to soak it. You're going to want to rinse it, and you're going to want to soak it. Why? I don't know. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, rinsing it gets all the dust and the shit. Dust. Yes, so the clay dust. yes I think rinsing dust and then if soaking it helps, like, prep the lack of to have water in it so you're not going to immediately, like, suck everything up, right? I don't soak mine. Well, I do. So that's fine. You can soak it. I don't. So I, I had read. I had read or saw on YouTube. The longer you can soak it, the better. I do forty-eight hours. Um, all of my prep, my all of my luck has been prepped, so I don't have to do this anymore. This is what I did from the very get-go, and have just been reusing luck since. Mm-hmm. Um, so my hack is I went and got um, laundry bags, like mesh laundry bags, and I fill one of those up with Lekka, mm-hmm. and I rinse it all down outside. Rinse it all down. Uh, threw it in a mop bucket, filled that up with water, put a mop bucket on top of that, filled that with water so it holds it down. Because it floats. Yep, it also floats. Float, so that holds it down, and I just left it for 24 hours. Next day, dump all the water out, redo it again, rinse it again, do it in, boom. Wow, that's another, commitment. Another yeah, 24 is, hours. That's like a process. Yep. Uh, so like it, it takes time, but at that point, then you're like, it's prepped, it's clean, it's ready to go. You never have to do that again. Now, I want to mention to everyone, it is important that you rinse your leka and even pond outside yeah if you rinse it inside do not let that water go down your drains because the clay dust will clog your pipes yeah it's like silt that will build up in drainage pipes over time so you you definitely want to be um at least cleaning the leka thoroughly once and dumping the dirty silty water somewhere that's not down your you know kitchen sink your main drain i for some reason find myself cleaning leka most of the time in the winter and so I right. have a, just like an ice cream pail. I'll rinse my leka over the pail. Once the pail's full, I dump it outside in the snow, come back in, start over. So that I'm still rinsing it in my sink, still doing all the work inside, mm-hmm. dumping the water outside. Yeah, that's pretty much the same strategy that I have. And for some reason, it does seem like, well, also maybe, yeah, I see it does seem like I'm doing it more often in the winter when it's just less convenient to do. Yeah, but yeah right. I, I usually, haven't done any leka in the yeah. summer yet. If yeah. I start running out of leka in the winter, I'm like begging other people because I... Christine got some of mine this yeah. winter. Yeah. I was like, I'm running out of my luck. <laughs> yeah, I bought a. I've bought more than a handful of fifty liter bags of Hydroton in wow. my life. I think I am at three. Yeah, I, wow. that's probably close. Yeah, I bought one with a coworker and we split it, and I'm still working off of that. Well, Plus, like two bags of the stuff you can get from IKEA. During the height of my Leka existence, I had like um, like a twelve inch pot for my rapid offer tetrasperma in. Lekka and I had a giant alocasia and Lekka. And so like right. you go through the 50 liter bag pretty quick if, when if you you're have big pots. Doing bigger pots. But I, yeah. if my, once my plants get to that point where I need to go to a, even sometimes eight inch pot, but for sure 10 inch pot, I'm not doing a 10 inch pot of Lekka. So I think we you. transfer to soil at that point. Yeah. I've, yeah. The eight inch pot's not so bad. It's cleaning the Lekka afterwards once you repot that plant. But like I had a bunch of alocasia in eight inch pots. And then I was like, you guys aren't that happy. I want to put you in soil. And then I had so much Lekka to clean that I was like, no, I can't. Yeah. I can handle cleaning a six inch pot of Lekka. Anything smaller than that doesn't take that long. But like, I'm just 
started putting some of the LECA in my compost bin because I was like, the roots are stuck to you. I am not cleaning you. It's yeah. not worth the cost of water to rinse you. Okay. I, I agree. And I, one thing I wanted to mention is earlier when we were talking about how philodendrons and most aeroids, especially the ones that don't, that, that size up, that you want to size up, mm-hmm. that they size up as they climb, for example, those I've seen them do really well in LECA, but in an active system where they're constantly being flooded and drained and flushed. And so I kind of am wondering if like that would make a difference because since we're doing passive hydroponics here, they're, they're suffering a little bit just because they're too stagnant. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's one thing to consider if you are looking into like starting a plant in LECA, just, you know, be aware that it might not size up the same as it is in, as it would in soil. Right. So going back to getting your plants set up in LECA. Mm -hmm. So Christine is now cleaned the LECA. We're going to get our plant ready now. We're just going to shove it in. What? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so it depends. Do do you have rooted cuttings that you rooted in water, or do you have a plant in soil? Well, that's two different ways. I mean, if you're rooted cuttings in water, obviously, just drop it in the lucky. It's ready to go. But if you're going to, say you went and got... Pothos. A pothos, and you're going to grow it in lecca, but it's in soil from where you got it from, because most, most, if not all, nurseries are in soil or potty mix, right? Um, you want to, and someone else can take this if they want to, but you, you take the plant out of the nursery pot. You have your giant root ball full of soil. You're going to want to break off as much of that soil as you possibly can get. And then you're going to take it over to your sink and you're going to start washing the heck out of it. And this process sucks. Yep. Sucks. Don't like it. Hate it. It takes forever. I remember Adam telling me about how to do this with some plants in here he was like you have to get all of the soil off all of the roots i sit there and i scrub it and it takes forever yeah but if you leave any soil on the roots it's going to cause rot once it's in the leka yeah and i even so you want to get as much if ideally all of it you want to get as much as you possibly can because and then i just if i'm i haven't done this in a hot minute going from soil to leka but what I would used to do, once I did that, threw it in LECA, after like a month, I would then pull the plant back out because you will have rot because you will have probably missed something. And then you got to rewash the roots again. And basically the, the, the plant is going to be stripping its soil roots during this process and growing water roots. And that's something to probably talk to is the roots that grow in the LECA setup are very different from soil roots i shouldn't say very different but they are different they are similar akin to water roots well like you know sometimes you have the plant and the roots more towards the surface they're going to be closer to your soil roots and then if there's any roots that grow down into the water reservoir those are straight water roots right which are they're acclimated to living in water and they don't need yes they're acclimated to being wet all the time they drink when they want to not when you know not constantly they are tend to be a little more fragile i've found um, they're easier to break off and stuff. So when you're, if you're thinking of going from like a back to soil, like that's definitely something to think of as well, because you're dealing with different root Yeah, systems. just keep it more moist for a while. Um, but yeah, that's how I typically go from soil to Leka. Yeah. Um, I started just rooting stuff in water. If I wanted to transfer a plant to Leka, I would take cuttings, root them in water, and then just put it straight in Leka because cleaning the soil off the roots sucks. I hate it. I'm going to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on the plant, too. Certain plants have soil roots that are very sturdy and rhizomous, like thick roots Mm -hmm. that um, can tolerate, you know, 
a pretty vigorous scrub. And then certain plants also have roots that don't stick, like that don't like adhere to, to whatever organic substrate you're using as tightly. Mm -hmm. And those ones are much easier to transfer over because you can clean all of the substrate off more easily. And the reason you have to clean so thoroughly is because you don't want any organic substrate submerged in a, in a zone, root zone that's constantly wet. Right. Because it will start growing bacteria, which will also then attack the roots and start leading to lead to rot. Co yeah, collapse of <clears throat> cellular tissue, and you don't want that. Okay, yeah, ten, ten times out of ten, if I'm buying a plant and it's in soil, my my purpose in life is to cut it, right. root it, throw it in like, and then hand off the original. You'll plant. quickly find that that is oftentimes a more like just reliable method. Yeah, to root, just take cuttings of a plant that is potted in organic substrate and then root them in water and then transfer them into to leca and grow them in a leca setup right okay so now we either have our rooted cuttings or our plant with roots that's been washed no mm -hmm. soil stuck to the roots we are going to pop that up into either a nursery pot or a net pot anything with drainage in it yeah um some people will just put their leca plants in a mason jar or a cup or a vase. Yep, you can do that. You can absolutely, you can absolutely do that. But rinsing and flushing that is going to be a fucking bitch. Yeah, also, sometimes getting the plant out. I was going to say my word of advice is stay away from mason jars. I did the mason jar thing because I thought this is going to look cool. Um, not only is algae a huge issue, but especially if you have mason jars that um, collar, so they get narrower at the top. Your roots are going to fill out that bigger space at the bottom and then when it's time to get them out of the top you can't you so you're, you're just the... ripping or, or you're either uh, shattering the grass or you're just ripping roots yeah. as you go yeah i actually i had a rooted a begonia in one of those little weed jars and i begonias have such fragile roots that i was like this is not going to end well i actually have a little tiny hammer for breaking my car window if i ever drive <laughs> into a river thanks mom um That's cool. so i went outside i put it in a bag and i just shattered the glass you shattered a wee pot <laughs> oh no <laughs> The begonia was more important than my two dollar <laughs> yogurt pot. Thank yeah. you. Yes, <laughs> there are Hoya heads screaming right now. <laughs> Scream away, Hoya heads. Was it a lime green one? Because that would be even worse. No, it was the lime green ones. We should just super grow a bunch of plants and then shatter them just to trigger people. <laughs> we'll, we'll just make a whole uh, TikTok channel about that. Um, time to up up my plant. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I mean, okay. So there, there are totally like if you just just know going into that like. I, I'm not going to judge people that decide to grow in like glass vases or containers. No, that, it, it looks cool. Without drainage. It just, it, it makes it more difficult to facilitate that flush, that gas mm -hmm. exchange. Um, and it makes it more difficult to like manage the plant long term if you would ever need to repot it, basically. Some, something you can do to help with that. Um, and I've done this a few times. If Say you go to Goodwill, you find a vase that you really like. And you're like, I'm going to put a plant in Leca in that. Mm -hmm. um, get yourself a glass drill bit and a drill if you don't have one and then drill a hole um a third to half of the way up of the pot that way you have a drainage point right there yeah so when it is time to flush or refill or something you can have that water dump out mm -hmm. easier that's nice mm -hmm. um okay so circling back to potting our plants up in leka yeah <laughs> we have our no okay so that was the tangent about glass jars etc so i will not be addressing those further um <laughs> we're gonna put the plant in our nursery pot or our net pot 
there, there, you can't just like pot it up like a plant. You have to be mindful of where your reservoir is going to sit. Mm -hmm. So the general rule of thumb for this is you fill up the pot one third of the way full with straight leca before you even put the plant in. And then you can put your plant on top, you know, backfill it with more leca, get it situated, get the roots. So the roots, when you're putting them in for the first time, they're not going to sit in that lower third, which is approximately where your reservoir is going to be. So if you are potting up your leca like a regular plant and not having success and you're missing this step, there's going to be a key component as to why your plants are roots are rotting. Eventually right your roots will grow down into that right. bottom third of Lekka. Um, but they'll be ready for it. Right. Yeah. There'll be roots that have been, a, that are growing adapted for a water system. Right. We're growing in water. What yeah. I've done is all of my pots that are uh, like ear tagged to be my Lekka reservoirs. I have found the net pot that fits the best in those. Mm -hmm. I've done that whole, like fill it up with a third of Lekka, put it in the pot, put it with water, and then I pull that net pot out, and then I have paint pens that I then mark the inside of the pot, and that tells me. So oh. when it's time to refill, I just go up to that water line and then sure. dump it back in. Yeah, that's that's smart. Yeah, and it is important to like make sure you aren't, you, you want to keep that nutrient reservoir filled up at all times as much as you can. You don't want the leka going completely dry at any given time it's not it will lead it will increase the likelihood of rot i yeah. think because it stresses out the root system yeah. when it's going from it, one extreme to the other it, yeah from constant moisture to no moisture yeah. at all there, well, there are plants that tolerate it i definitely probably do it more often than i should um let's yeah, dry out too them. much but well that's like that's when i'm like oh shit this needs to be repotted this allocation is drying out way faster than i fill it up yeah. and then and you do also have to consider if you're using net pots versus just regular nursery pots root systems you have to be more careful about managing long-term plants because uh, root systems grow right through a net of a pot and then grow back into the pot and then grow back out of the pot and then you have a situation where roots are just woven through like a like a mat of roots woven through plastic. You might have plastic. to cut that out. Yeah, that's yeah, my dragon It's really right difficult to just dislodge a root system that's overgrown in a net pot. Um, well, in nursery pots too, if, you know, you only have like, you know, eight little holes at the bottom and if the roots have all decided to go through one of those holes, mm -hmm. now you're, I mean, I've cut up many in nursery pot that way just to try and free the roots. Yeah, away. I have as well. Uh, I've, I've seen Eve just take the root bound pot that's in the nursery pot or net pot and just take that and pot it into a new bigger pot without removing the first pot. Eve. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> that sounds like plant torture. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, at that point the roots are already doing what the heck they want and they're but going then the everywhere. But the roots in that original pot are still, they're just going to grow into a rot nugget. <laughs> That's insane. Eve, I, I mean, again, I what works for you right. works for you, but holy cow. I mean, yeah, there is the, I think it, one thing that my experience with Lekka has really shown me is just the extent that plants are adaptable. Like, yeah. And then talking to all these other plant people and learning about other things that you're like, wow. Yes, there are like there are like commonly accepted best practices and protocols when it comes to growing plants but there's also a lot of shit that plants can do yeah. that they can just survive and go through some crazy stuff and maybe they're not optimized in terms of their growing but they're alive you know <laughs> they're alive they're alive <laughs> I, I don't know how many times i have used that it's alive so yeah i mean <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing 
Yeah, I was like, I, I tell people that a lot that ask for plant advice, and they're like, should I be doing? Should I be changing it or repositing? I'm like, if it's growing, like putting out leaves and it's healthy, just keep doing what you're doing. And people it's are like, good. oh, should I repot it? I'm like, no. Yeah. Not for fun. <laughs> Do not repot for fun. It's just stress for the planet. Um, right? But that's another thing we could talk about also in terms of LECA. I mean, we're we're going through, I think, step by step, Kaylin keeps realigning us as we're, <laughs> as we're getting off topic. And we're, yeah, did we're, you guys talk about how full we fill our reservoirs? How far we fill the reservoirs, which it depends, I guess, if you're using the wicking cord. But Yeah, the wicking cord's different. We're, I mean, we're still going to go up to that third of the way up the nursery pot or net pot, uh-huh. regardless of whether or not we have a reservoir right. below it. So, yes, so one-third of the bottom third of the pot that you're growing the plant in should be submerged in a nutrient solution every time you go to flush and then refill the nutrient solution. One important thing to know, um, if you have a clear pot and you can see where your line is, awesome. If you're using an opaque pot that you can't see through, uh, know that if you eyeball you pouring your nutrient solution into the clear pot or the the opaque pot and then you put your nursery pot with the leca in it it is going to displace some of that water so if you fill up a third of the way for your um cash po once you put the plant in there it's actually going to end up sitting higher than what you put in there because of the mass dispersing you know the volume of water in the in the pot. So I think I generally eyeball it to about a quarter of the way mm-hmm. up the drain or the cash bow. And then I put my leka in and I try to like check it. Yeah. Somehow yeah. visually. You weren't in here when I said that what I do is I take that nursery pot, fill it with a third of leka, put it in, fill it with the water, take that out. And then I mark it with a paint marker. Well, that's just too smart. <laughs> the other thing I tend to do if I am using, if I like quick solutioned a pot set up cause I've ran out of other stuff. Um, I just, pull the net pot back up and you can kind of see where the water line has been sitting. However, if you put Um, the pot in really fast, that could be be inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it does not, it's not an exact science either. Like it's not going to make or break your plant if you're a little bit above or a little bit below a third. However, to a point. Yeah. However, you, you do have to be careful not to like have the entire root zone submerged in nutrient solution too frequently. Uh, because that just like letting the plant go like go all the way dry letting your reservoir dry all the way out it adds stress to the system and can increase the risk of bacterial growth algae growth things like that um so keeping the level the reservoir level consistent to the best of your ability is definitely a bonus i'm one who lets mine fluctuate i let it dry out pretty not all the way but like if it still has, you know, a couple inches, I don't bother topping it off unless I'm going away. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I do want to say uh, I have root rotted my alocasia in Lekka a couple times because the reservoir gets a little higher than it should be. And then the roots that aren't acclimated to, you know, sitting in water, sitting in water, and they just rot super easily. Mm-hmm. So uh, on, in the case of those, I actually under fill the reservoir just on, to be on the safe side because I've done it so many times. Yeah. And so we should then, I think, absolutely cover solution in this yes. episode as well because that's, when we're saying water, I mean, you can grow passive hydroponically in just plain water. It's possible to do. Plants can live in water for a long period of time. I mean, even just tap water. Um, but it's not ideal. Yeah. So we tend to, uh, like add nutrients 
and mix a solution that we then use to replenish the reservoir on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, and specific genuses that tend to do well in Lekka, like Alocasia, just naturally are, um, they want, they're hungrier plants, they, they need nutrient just period to yeah. really thrive. So if you're going to put them in a Lekka situation, then you really, you do need to think you about You need to mix solutions. If, if you're working with Alocasia. Yeah. But um, if you're just growing like a, maybe a peace lily or a pothos, or something that you don't that you know something that you're not looking for large foliage or like a really like a specimen plant you just want to maintain something yeah you can grow them just pure water for a pretty long time like well, I, I especially will say getting that. started just yeah. start with water yeah if you're just trying out leka and you're not sure if it's for you just ask around i'm sure someone would be willing to share like enough for a four inch pot yeah. so you could try something out with just water and flush it and just see how it does and then if you like it, then you can get the ingredients. You can go out and buy hydroponic fertilizer to mix a mix solution with. Yeah, I like to grow my Pilea peperomioides in Lekka because they're stupidly thirsty plants for some reason, um, and they do better in Lekka. So I have shared a couple with my friend, who's a teacher, and then one of her colleagues who was like, "I can't grow a Pilea." I'm like you can grow a Pilea <laughs> in Lekka, so. Yeah. Um, both of them have their pileas in Lekka and they both message me at the same time. They're like, why are the leaves this light green? And I was like checking up on all their conditions and like lighting was good. Watering was good. Like everything sounded right. And I was like, you know what? Try new. They've only been using water. I was like, you yeah. need to start fertilizing. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The green color is coming back on their pileas yeah, now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Um, getting the nutrient solution locked down and also, I would say f f just based on my own experience when I was getting into LECA, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. There's a lot of information out there that I think might overcomplexify yeah. what's necessary for a basic passive hydroponic setup in your house. Um, and so I guess that's where I would want to start in this. Start step. small. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, when we start talking about our solutions here, we're, we're adding, some of us are adding three, four things into our water and you, you do not need to do that all right away. So if you want to start, start with nutrient, and then we can talk pH. Then we can talk HydroGuard. Then we can talk SNS 209 or stuff like that. I started with just water. And then I was like, okay, time for fertilizer. And then once I got into that, I learned about pH balancing yeah. um, for uh, alocasias. So then I started pH balancing. I haven't actually progressed beyond that. I don't add HydroGuard or anything. You know, the thing that nibbles on the root rot. I don't I don't deal with any of that. Right. I don't actually have enough stuff in LECA anymore to care. Yeah. So um, that's, where I, talk, that's where I do. Do we want to talk about the nutrients we use? Yeah. Um, just as options? Sure. You want to look for something that um, can be used in either a hydroponic or a passive hydroponic or a semi-hydroponic setup. You can't just use your regular fertilizer if it's meant for soil. Right. It's not going to work. However, I mean, that would probably be if you just, if you didn't have anything else, for example, because I remember in the very beginning not having any, like, fertilizer that was specifically designed for hydroponics and being like, well, I want to give you some nutrients. And I would, I would hazard a guess that like a hyper diluted solution of like standard, uh, synthetic fertilizer, like all purpose fertilizer is better than no fertilizer. Yeah. You definitely want to think about diluting it more than what the package says though yeah, yeah the package is burn. trying to sell more fertilizer right. so they're going to tell you to use more well and and the fertilizer in soil is going it can like be at a higher concentration versus in like a you would burn your plants so if you're the if, roots are just directly exposed yeah, to that so if you're doing something where you, i only have 
fertilizer designed for soil, but I want to try it in like a think about maybe diluting it another half. Yeah. Um, dilute it beyond what you would normally dilute it to. Because even with my hydroponic nutrient, I don't do the Full quantity strength. it says. I um, do like half to a quarter. Yep. So a quarter I, in winter, half mm-hmm. in summer. Yeah. yeah. If I remember to. And um, and I just use a all-purpose hydroponic uh, Fox Farm mm-hmm. hydroponic fertilizer. I think it's called Grow Big, but there are lots There's of also different big bloom. Mm-hmm, the yeah, big I don't bloom. recommend. I, think I used the Grow Big for a while because mm-hmm. I was that was what I initially started with. I ended up switching to something higher in nitrogen, but that worked really well for me. The Fox grow, Farms has grow big. really good um, formulas based on the stage of your life of your plant. So that's, I mean, so like the big bloom is for when you want your plants to be flowering or in in a flowering stages. These nutrients are designed for cannabis, right? So that's kind of where it's at. The idea is that you're going to be changing the nutrient based on the life stage of the plant. I don't bother with that for houseplants. Correct. Um, I don't care. I want want foliage and that's where we stay, but But I want more nitrogen. That's what's more important for me. What do we like? A 312? Yes. Yes. Three, one, two, because you want the most nitrogen, the lowest phosphorus, and then the potassium is just, you know, all around good things. Yeah. Yeah. So I had been using um, something called CNS 17 for a really long time. They discontinued that. It was that. amazing. It was discontinued. Those I bought shits. a gallon of it right as it was getting discontinued. So I still have the tiniest bit of that <sighs> left. But then I will be swapping over to what you're doing, which is the Dynagro. Yeah, the Dynagro oh, Foliage yeah. Pro. A lot of people with uh, Passive Hydro, they'll recommend it. I don't like that Super Thrive bought them out, so I hope they don't change the formula because I don't want to like, start giving my plants Super Thrive. That's bullshit. Because it's not fertilizer. Super Thrive is not fertilizer. <laughs> PSA. Yeah. If you're using Super, Th- Super Thrive for fertilizer, stop. If you've had that Super Thrive for more than six months, throw it out. The shelf life is short. Yeah, I when I first started my LECA journey, a lot of YouTube videos I saw were saying, like, you Super Thrive as the nutrient solution. And... Really, it's more of like a vitamin supplement for your plants. It's not... Um, well, I mean, fertilizer itself is vitamin. Yeah, yeah, I realize that just as I said that. Um, yeah. So it's like it's a little it's a extra stimulant. boost. Yeah. It's a stimulant. You don't want to sit around drinking stimulants all day right. as a human. Mm-hmm. So don't give it to your plants. Delicious. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, yeah. So there are ways that you can continue to like fine tune your nutrient solution beyond adding just, nutri- uh, adding just a nutrient um, like concentrate. Right. Uh, so another thing is it's recommended to like determine the pH of your solution. So once you add the nutrients to the, to the water, some people will use distilled water. Um, I just use tap water. Yep. Tap water for me. Mm-hmm. Good old tap water. Yeah. Fish water is great. RODI water works. Mm-hmm. So it, it, a lot, it really works all around. Ooh, natural spring water. Yeah. I, that seems like overboard. Yeah, I just to go me. out to my backyard to my spring. No, you can go over. <laughs> they have the, you can, well, if you buy spring water up at the Schmidt Brewery, you can get it there. You can drive out to Shakopee. They have a natural spring you can just fill up. I mean, huh. you oh, don't. Oh, my ex had fish. I know all this dumb stuff. That's <laughs> interesting to think about. Yeah. I mean, y- you can go above and beyond what probably is the base, the bare minimum. Um, you can go pretty far beyond that yeah. if you wanted to. But, uh, and definitely if you, I mean, be aware of your water quality. If you're like, I mean, it shouldn't really, it's, it's a little more sensitive if you're growing the plant purely in that water than maybe if you were just watering a plant in soil, that's not going to necessarily just be sitting in that tap water all right. the time. So if you're, if your tap water is just like really highly like acidic or maybe super, like high in minerals, mm-hmm. then, you know, be aware of that. But for the most part, I think tap water is acceptable. 
Um, and then you can get a pH test kit so that once you mix the nutrients into the right concentration, you can test the pH. And I believe it should be between like a, f for most plants, the ideal range for them to be able to pH range for them to be able to absorb the nutrients, um, like optimally absorb the nutrients is somewhere between five and six. I think it's it's either five five to six point five or five point five to six point five. Yeah, I I'm, I know the on the basic end it's six point five. So it's just below neutral. Yes. For most uh for most like house plants and of course, you're welcome to look up specific pH requirements for your plants and what and all you need to do is get like an acid and a base usually marketed as pH up or pH down. And then you can basically optimize from there yep. if you've got like plants with specific requirements. Mm -hmm. I, I pulled out my general hydroponics pH control kit pamphlet and it's uh, 5.5 to 6.5. Okay, nice. Uh, it says it can assure your crop maximum availability of all nutrient materials. This yeah. will give you higher growth rates and happy plants. <laughs> and I feel like I can already like feel that some of our listeners are probably freaking out hearing about all of this. And yeah. it really, again, the, the, the one thing about like is it does take time to get it right dialed in but once you get it dialed in when i was ph balancing my water like i knew i needed a one and a half tablespoons of fertilizer half a tablespoon of ph down and you know just go from there and it's just so quick to just right. go that way so, so yeah i to just i want to make it sound as simple as it is so like with the with the ph kit it, they give you an acid and a base, and one's blue and one's orange, and they give you a little testing solution, which is, a, it's just, it's the color. So it will change the color based on if it's acidic or basic or neutral. And so what you do is, um, it comes with a little tiny vial. All you do is you fill that up. You can either fill up with your tap water, if you want to test your sink water, or fill it up with your nutrient solution, which would be your fertilizer and water mixed together. Put a little bit in there, and then you're going to add the... Um, the colored, the droppers. You're going to add like two, two, three drops. Yeah, they, it's and usually it's like change. two drops of the test solution. Yeah, it's going to change the color based on what... The pH. Yeah, what the pH is. So it could be bright orange, dark orange, um, yellow orange, could be yellow, it could be yellow green, it could be yellow more green, <laughs> so you uh, blue green, yeah, and you, then like a teal. Yeah. So on that spectrum, it's going to tell you if you're you know super acidic, super basic, neutral in the middle or somewhere in between there. And then the kit actually comes with a nice little chart that I currently hold in my hand. <laughs> and then you can compare the color of your little vial to where you sit on the chart. And then that will tell you if you need to add an acid or a base to move around your pH. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you just, you just test it. You can, let's say, let's say I had an orange. My, my solution was like yellow orange and I want it to be more yellow green. Because uh, yellow green is where your 5.5 to 6.5 is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take... My little pipette, I'm going to put a couple drops, so like for my case, um, to, um, to get my P pH, pH for up. my sink water into the optimum territory, I take two pipettes full of the acid, which is the orange solution, put that in my gallon of water that I have my fertilizer mix in with, shake it up, then I can test it again. 
and then I test it and it sits right where I want it to. So it does take a little bit of trial and error when you're figuring this out, but all you're doing is you're just, you know, you can start with a couple drops or you can start with half a pipette, see where you go. If you all of a sudden it tests in the blue range, then you went too far in that direction, you got to dial it back. So it's just... And to be clear, we're absolutely not doing this every with every gallon no, of this solution is just your first that we time. mix up. You really only have to do it once in yeah. the very beginning. I did it a couple times just to check to make sure I didn't yeah. fuck up. Exactly. Right. So you you figure out that if you have a gallon of your tap water and you're using the same um, nutrients nutrients every time, mm-hmm. you just need a, you know maybe five milliliters of nutrients and then you test the pH. It's too basic. So you add a few drops of the acid. acid and then you're in the right range. You just measure how much of the acid that you added and you do it the exact same way next time and then it from that point on it really becomes simple and the only time you'd have to retest is if you're moving to a different tap water or a different solution or moving to a different nutrient concentrate yeah that would be the or i guess if you're also like if it you go from winter to summer and you're adding more Mm mm-hmm yeah, changing the concentration yeah. of the nutrients that you're adding. Right. So it, it is really simple once you get that first kind of dialed in, the and first just, nutrient solution dialed in. Just pretend you're doing science. Yeah. Sit down for I mean, 30 minutes. I mean, you are doing you science. You are doing Do science. Some science. <laughs> Have some fun with it. Turn on Bill Nye the Science Guy. If science wasn't Enjoy your subject we're in school, we're so sorry. But this, this is, you know, like, you know, sixth grade level science. Yeah, we're not talking about 10th grade level science. So <laughs> hopefully you can handle this. Um, but no, yeah, I figure it out once and then you're good to go. So, you know, me, I fill up my gallon of water in the sink, which takes forever. And then I put in my, I guess I'm doing four cause it's summer, four pipettes full of my Dynagro oh, Foliage wow. Pro. Oh, I'm, I'm heavily feeding my shit no, this summer. For a second, I thought you were about to say four pipettes worth of New, uh, pH, pH acid. No. And, I would and like, actually, oh. my pipettes are different sizes. My yeah. pH pipette is a lot smaller than my fertilizer pipette. So it's actually a whole, you know. It's, it sounds like it's, you know, I'm using half, but I'm not. It's actually a lot smaller. Um, two, uh, four pipettes of my fertilizer, and then I do two pipettes full of my pH. What is it? Down or up? Fuck. Down. I think you come up. Yeah, yeah. pH down, which oh. is the orange one, the acid. Mm-hmm. Raise my pH a little bit, and we're good to go. Yeah. Shake that shit up, mm-hmm. and then I douse it. Uh, and then I have to come back and fill it up again. I went and bought a shot glass that has... Oh, mil- your things? I have one of those, too, but for and, my pesticides. Yeah, and that's... I just... So then while the the gallon is filling up with water i'm just dumping stuff into it that helps mix it as yeah. it's filling up yeah yep. i do that too um, um i definitely find my alocasia like the ph balance stuff better and i just started doing it with all my houseplants because it's it's simple it's just two pipettes done then it's yeah. the same then it's uniform too for everything yeah. so you're not like trying to juggle different nutrient solutions oh, i mean for i already plants. have three different jugs under my sink for different things i feed my yeah. plants oh. so it's like yeah. yeah you're right i don't want that more. is something to probably bring up because we were talking about not using soil fertilizer in hydroponics but there are hydroponic fertilizers if you read on the back they do say that they are suitable for soil so it's nice to find something that is a one and all yeah that way that's what i have yeah yeah, you can just use it on everything you can use them in or both organic and inorganic substrates Mm -hmm. and they're going to do this more or less the same job sometimes the concentration is a little bit different for what they're asking for 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 um organic versus inorganics um, setups they deal yeah yeah mine, I, right right so it's like for no I, I wind up using my nutrient solution to fertilize my soil plants a lot of times because there are nutrients suspended in that solution and i'm going to pour them into this pot that has potting mix and it's going to feed the roots too so um so that's really nice too it's it's a little bit versatile and yeah. it's definitely better than not fertilizing your 
um, plants that right. are in pocket. Yeah. Do we want to talk sense. about shelf life of nutrient solution? I don't really know. I don't actually pay attention to yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I just know about Super Thrive because it's kind of controversial. Well, not even like the fertilizer, but like say you've mixed up your water. You don't want to mix up oh. 10 gallons of water and mm. have that be your water for like, for like a month. month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try to not use it any longer than a week. I have two gallon jugs under my sink and I go through them so damn quick that my fertilizer water doesn't sit for more than a couple days without getting That's used. true. So like, I don't have that problem. Right. Now, if I had the luxury of having like, you know, a 50 five gallon drum that I could just turn the spigot on and fill up my jug. Wouldn't that be glorious? But mm. I'm not running stuff at that yeah. quantities, even yeah. though it would be convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, that's something else to consider. You don't want to just leave nutrient solution sitting for really long periods of time. Cause it might start to like break down the nutrients mm-hmm. or become less viable already water or change the pH or something might happen. I know like that's one we should talk about flushing next because yeah. once you get that nutrient, you get your roots cleaned, you get it potted in LECA, you get it set up with a ca- uh, reservoir and then you mix your solution. That's really the next thing you have to think about is um, flushing. Mm-hmm. So do you, what do you guys, do you guys flush? I flush. Okay. I, in a perfect world, flush. <laughs> um, but I I have too many plants to make a habit of it. Yeah. And yeah. usually if it's the plant, like it's, you know, it's a Hoya dried out all the way. I'll take it to the sink. I'll give it a rinse. That's my flush. But also the reservoir had dried up. So is that really a flush? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm taking everything to the sink or the bathtub, depending on its size, to spray down for pests anyway. Because mm-hmm. I, I do that as my pest prevention is a good spray downs. Um, so, I mean, if it's in like a, I mean, might as well just pull it out and. Flush out. The yeah. flush out the blood. Well, yeah, because you can't that. spray it down without getting water into the re- reservoir. So right. you have yeah. to pull it out. Yeah. Um, Adam's I was religious about flushing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's and I definitely let it go too long sometimes because of like the just the sheer volume of plants that I was once upon a time growing in, in LECA. Uh, however, I do see the value. Like, I do see results when I flush more frequently. Um, it, it basically just facilitates that gas exchange and it also flushes out any like decaying or necrotic root tissue that might be and it gives building the plant up. a little drink. Yeah. Right. At so the top where it might've dried out more. And a lot of water has minerals like salts in it that will naturally start to accumulate on the surface. So you get like a white powdery coating on the surface. Um, and so it really makes a difference yeah. to, to really properly flush them on a probably weekly yeah. To buy oh weekly basis. Adam, you talked do. about the white mineral buildup. Do not go look at my succulent and lacquer outside. <laughs> do not. It, <laughs> it looks yeah, like I it's snowed on the top of that lacquer. That is normal. Don't, yeah. don't freak out once it, that layer. It does get worse if you allow it to dry all the way out. So right. if like you're forgetting that the reservoir is empty and the water is all evaporating, it leaves behind that residue, yeah. which in a more concentrated form, which isn't necessarily good for most plants. Yeah. So that's just, that's just something to consider in, if you are moving to LECA, it's a fantastic tool and can be used to effectively propagate and grow different types of plants. But you do have to add that extra little bit of work yeah. in. So, you know, I will just say be aware of that. I have noticed flushing specifically on alocasias is is super like they really do like it because say you have an alocasia and you are seeing the start like it's getting that little bump that like a leaf is starting to come i have noticed that sometimes and i don't know if this is actually tied but i like to think it is 
I go flush it and almost overnight that thing will immediately like I'm a leaf now. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it out. pushes out. Yeah. yeah. It they really do enjoy it. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Like you'll if you leave it and I've done this with even with time lapse filming time lapses. Um yeah, that you'll see after you water a plant or after you flush it in the time lapse, like you're watching a leaf unfurl in a, in a plant time lapse right. and it's slowing down mm-hmm. and then I'll flush it or water it and it'll just accelerate yeah. again. So, and I think that was one of the really addictive things that got me into Lekka was like, wow, I can just flush this as much as I want. And just, it really accelerates the growth. Right. Um, so that is really like kind of the whole <laughs> process of yeah. when you're switch when you're moving into LECA and I think that really covers a lot of what is important yep uh when you're moving into LECA but is there anything else I mean did we cover everything on the list I'm looking now I yeah. mean I, I would say probably the one thing we haven't touched on is pests um you're still going to get all the pests yeah <laughs> unfortunately you can get springtails you can get what soil mites yeah I have springtails floating in LECA mm-hmm. I, I mean and not that springtails are super bad uh, they do what is it they eat rotting tissue and yeah. so you gotta watch out for that yeah um but yes you still will get fungus gnats you still will get thrips you still will get the stuff that's quote-unquote soul soil born right. will and live and guess what if you get aphids on your plant it's you're like i can just rinse this out of the leka no you can't keep yeah. treating that bitch yeah and i think they will not wash out it all comes down to just being intentional and uh, like if your plant is healthy and getting plenty of light and you're not you're keeping it you know the moisture level is consistent you're going to have less of a chance of getting any kind of pests in any situation and you're following proper protocols if you're bringing in new plant material it's it's that's just the only there's not a there's not a silver bullet there's you always have to do put in that like work and know what you're doing um there are there is no, like, you can't just bypass pests with LECA. I don't think that's how that works. Right. Um, but but it is an excellent tool. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say that I found LECA to be an excellent tool, an indispensable tool in my plant care, in my journey. Mm-hmm. It's It's been useful, and I don't... I'm, I'm grateful that I have that as, like, an additional tool. Yeah. You know. I definitely, like, I as I've... As my plants have aged and gotten bigger, LECA hasn't been as much of a... It's not... At, oh, my God. What am I trying it's to say It's not as here? essential, maybe? It's not as essential. I'm not... I'm finding myself... You're not as big of a shooter anymore. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> as my stuff's getting bigger, specifically philodendrons, and now I'm starting to discover maybe some allocasias, too. They just... Again, great starter for them, not necessarily their long-term thing. Um, but I, I mean, I think I'm going to ride and die that Hoyas in LECA are going to be a thing for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah I, I found that my philodendrons weren't sizing up in LECA and maybe it's cause I didn't flush them enough. Uh, I, it, I just personally concluded no philodendrons in LECA once you rooted them and whatnot. So like all my philodendrons are now in soil. I convinced Adam to put all his philodendrons in soil and we're just immediately singing bigger, better leaves. Yeah. So if you have success in LECA with philodendrons, good for you. The way I grow. I don't, so right. Yeah. I just don't do it anymore. Right. Yeah, I think that that kind of translates just large specimen plants that I'm planning to keep for a really long time. 
maybe it's not maybe Lekka for me personally is not the answer for those. Oh, and they're so big and they're so heavy. And they're heavy and then yes, like managing a giant anymore. reservoir of water. So, Messy. Yeah, and just having to manage it, like move that around and then flush it and it, it can just get overwhelming. So, but but personally I agree with you Christine like for propagating certain things like my pink princesses, they just propagate so well in Lekka, and I've done it so many times. And I, and same with alocasia corms, like that works for me. Yep. So until I find something that works better, I'm gonna stick with with Lekka. Yeah. Fubal. <laughs> oh, Fubal pawn. Yeah. <laughs> Next That's episode. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Lekka from you guys? I say, you know, if you're listening to this, you've never tried it before, give it a shot. If you're local, hit me up. I'll, hit, I'll give you some Lekka. I've yeah, got three 50-liter bags that I'm not using. I so. think like Adam has said, or I have definitely have said, if we're at a plant swap and I've got something like it, don't be scared. Yeah, you can always pull it out and put it back in soil. You could, but I mean, or give it a try. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not too bad once you get it down. Yeah. little learning curve. There's a couple things you got to make sure you do right, but you start small and go big yeah. eventually. Cool. Love cool. it. Yeah. And you guys cool. have a plant of the week? My plant of the week is my Dracaena fragrance, my corn plant. It was one of my original <laughs> six plants from Ikea that I bought in March of 2019. He used to be a little guy. I almost killed him. And now he's six feet tall. Looks great. I think my plant of the week will be my alocasia scalprum. Ooh. That thing. So do you know what a scalprum is? Adam? No. Okay. Look it up. Quick so look it up. look, think of a quilted dream, the okay. sheen from a quilted dream, the color and ribbing of a dragon scale. But then long, narrow, arrow-headed leaves. Long boy. Yeah, it's a real cool plant. Um, oh, it is. Cool. Does it feel leathery? Yeah, it feels super. Well, no, it's it's got that sheen to it, like a quilted dream. So it feels more just like super ribbed, ribbed, like shiny, smooth, ribbed for her pleasure. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that thing has been. Is yours a green or a dark leaf? Super dark leaf <gasps> with like the purple backs. Oh my god! Send mm, me yeah. a picture. I want to see this in person. I took some corms. I think they're sprouting. So if... I can't have any more plants. Okay. I just want <laughs> well, to live Adam vicariously through your photos. <laughs> uh, yeah, loving it. Uh, Adam, plant of the week. I know. I'm, try- I'm trying to think. Get the no, it's not the Bravermosa. It's definitely. It's actually definitely not the Bravermosa, but it might be another begonia. It definitely is another begonia. I'm, 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 <laughs> teetering, right. I'm teetering between my autumn ember okay. and my maculata white di begonia oh, maculata yeah. white di, which is outside. And Isn't I'm it the, wig ti. Wig ti. It's a gh. I thought it was white di. I thought the gh was like a silent. <laughs> a silent gh. <laughs> is it wig ti? That sounds wrong. I call it wig ti. I'm gonna stick with white di in this particular. Why is instance. it gotta be white di? W h. I'm gonna just stick maybe. I g h t. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna just stick with polka dot begonia because that works. Then we don't have to. Or angel there's leaf. a couple polka dot begonias. Angel so. leaf. Right? Yeah. Just call it the maculata. Or angel, angel wing. wing. There's a lot of angel wing. Angel wing is the classification of leaves that's way too broad yeah. to use. For yeah. That so plant. it is so a cane begonia. And it is beautiful. It's it is an oldie but a goodie. Costa uh, Farms. Yeah, it came. It came. <laughs> Who didn't get their angel wing begonia from Costa? Yeah. So it is just it's just doing its thing. It's it. I put it outside every summer, and it's like it just responds beautifully, and it grows really tall, and it blooms, and um, and so that will have to be my plant of the week. Love this it. Week. Yeah. So thanks again, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for showing up for another episode of Rough Around the Hedges. Yeah, thanks everyone. Stay rough. Stay rough. Bye bye. Bye. Someone's here to pick up a plant. Oh. <laughs> oh, I couldn't figure out what the heck I was didn't, going on. I was like, on. she really wants her chicken patty. Yeah. <laughs>